At this point of human evolution, we basically have three choices of moving forward. We can stop evolving completely, we can just evolve naturally, or we can learn how to control the next steps of our evolution using genetic modification to maybe make ourselves smarter, faster, and even better overall. And I guess this concept of neo-evolution is basically within our grasp. And the real question is, what are we going to do with it? This is Shannon Kim speaking, and you are listening to the third episode of the Coob Scoop channel. Thank you for listening. So what if I asked you, what would you want to change about yourself, like to make yourself better? Would you want a better memory, like more precise, more accurate? Or maybe not mentally, maybe you'd want to change something about yourself physically, like... Would you want to be more fit, more stronger? Would you want more stamina? How about living longer? If you imagine yourself with this, and you imagine yourself with the possibility of having these traits, I would say it'd be a very different world. But the thing is, is this world just imaginary, or is it really possible? The great 20th century geneticist T.G. Dobonaski was also a communicant in the Russian Orthodox Church, And he actually wrote an essay that titled, Nothing in Biology Makes Sense Except in the Light of Evolution. Now, if you are one of those who does not really, you know, accept evidence for biological evolution, this would be a very good time to shut off Spotify and stop listening to this podcast. Because I would really recommend you read this essay. But if you do accept biological evolution and science... Consider this. Is it just about the past or is it about the future? Does it apply to others or does it only apply to us as humans? So we branch off of a common ancestor to modern chimpanzees about 6 or 8 million years ago. And in this interval, there probably would have been about 20 to 25 different species of hominids. Some have come and gone. But we've actually stayed the longest, obviously, for about 130,000, yeah, 130,000 years. It may seem a little remote from other parts of species, but the basic machinery of ourselves is pretty much the same if you compare it, like, biologically. But what will come in the future? Are we at some kind of evolutionary equipoise as a species? Or maybe we're destined to become something different, maybe even better adapted to the environment. Now, if, let's say, let's take a step back into the Big Bang, which was about 14 billion years ago. The Earth, the solar system, about four and a half billion years ago. The first sign of proto-life was about maybe three to four billion years ago. And the first multi-celled organisms was 800 billion years ago. And then you look at when the human species emerged, and that was actually only the last 130,000 years. In this vast symphony of universe, life on Earth is very brief. The animal kingdom, like a single measure, and human life is a very small grace note. So when I was a freshman in high school, I actually took my first ever biology class, and I was really fascinated by the elegance and the beauty of biology. 
I actually became enamored with the power of evolution and I realized something really fundamental. In most of the existence of life in single-celled organisms, each cell simply divides and all the genetic energy of the cell is carried on in both daughter cells. But at the time multi-celled organisms come online, things start to change. Sexual reproduction comes into the picture and most importantly, with the introduction of sexual reproduction that passes on in the genome, the rest of the body becomes basically expendable. In fact, if you say that the inevitability of death of our bodies enters in evolutionary time at the same moment as sexual reproduction. Evolution is all about passing on the genome to the next generation, adapting and surviving through generation after generation. From an evolutionary point of view, you and I are like booster rockets designed to send the genetic payload into the next level of orbit and then, I don't know, like drop them off into the sea. I think we would all understand the sentiment that Woody Allen expressed when he said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. Although it may be hard to believe, evolution does not necessarily favor the longest lived. It doesn't really favor the biggest or the strongest or the fastest and honestly not even the smartest. Evolution favors the creatures best adapted to their environment. That is honestly the sole test of survival and like success. And at the bottom of the ocean, bacteria that are thermophilic and survive at the steam vent heat that would otherwise produce if fish were there, cooked fish, nevertheless have managed to make that a hospital environment for them. So what does this mean as we look back at what has happened in evolution and as we think about the place again of humans in evolution? And particularly as we look ahead to the next phase, I would say that there are a number of possibilities. The first is that we will not evolve. We have basically reached a kind of equipoise. And the reasoning behind that would be first, we have through medicine managed to preserve a lot of genes that would otherwise be selected out and be removed from the population. And secondly, we as a species have so configured to our environment that we have managed to make it and adapt to us as well as we adapt to it. And by the way, you know, we immigrate and circulate and intermix so much that you basically can't any longer have the isolation that's basically necessary for evolution to take place. A second possibility is that there will be evolution of the traditional kind. Basically natural, you know, imposed by natural forces of nature. And as far as isolation goes, when we as a species do colonize distant planets, there will be the isolation and environmental changes that could produce evolution in the natural way. But here comes the third possibility we talked about in the beginning. An enticing, intriguing possibility. And basically, I guess you would call it neo-evolution. This new evolution is definitely not natural, but it is guided and chosen by us as individuals and the choices that we will make. Now, how would this come about? How would it even be possible that we do this? First, you have to consider the reality that people today in some cultures are already making choices about their offspring. 
they're in some cultures choosing, for example, to have more males than females. It's not necessarily good for the society, but it's what the individual and the family are choosing. Now, put yourself in a scenario if it was possible for you to ever choose, not only choose the sex of your child, but for you in your body to make the genetic adjustments that would cure or prevent diseases. What if you can make the genetic changes to eliminate diabetes or Alzheimer's or reduce the risk of cancer or eliminate stroke? Wouldn't you want to make those changes in your genes? If we look ahead, these kind of changes are going to be increasingly possible. The Human Genome Project started in 1990 and it took around 13 years. It cost $2.7 billion and the year after it was finished in 2004, you could basically do the same job for like $20 million in three to four months. But yeah... <laughs> Today, you can have a complete sequence of the 3 billion base pairs in the human genome at a cost of about 20k and in the space of a week. Yeah, really short. But it honestly won't be really long before the reality of the $1,000 human genome. And it will, well, it's been predicted to increasingly be available for everybody. Just recently, the National Academy of Engineering awarded its Draper Prize to Francis Arnold and Willem Stemmer, two scientists who independently developed techniques to encourage the natural process of evolution, but basically to work faster and to lead to desirable proteins in a way more efficient way. They coined this process and phase as, quote, directed evolution. I know, kind of straightforward and makes sense, but... And a few years ago, the Lasker Prize was awarded to the scientist Shinya Yamanaka for his research in which he basically took an adult skin cell, which is a fibroblast, and by manipulating just four of the genes, he actually induced that cell to revert to a pluripotential stem cell, a cell potentially capable of becoming any other cell in your body. That's like pretty crazy in terms of genetic science and these changes are coming even faster if you think about it the same technology that has produced human insulin and bacteria can make viruses that will not only protect you against themselves but induce immunity against other viruses these are all in reality today and in the future will be ever more possible and imagine then just two other little changes you can change the cells in your body but what if you could change the cells in your offspring? What would you change? The sperm and the ova or the newly fertilized egg? Would you give your offspring a better chance at a healthier life? Would you choose to eliminate the diabetes, eliminate the hemophilia, even reduce the risk of cancer? I mean, you would, right? I would. Who wouldn't want healthier children? And then that same analytical technology, that same engine of science that can produce the changes to prevent disease, will also enable us to adopt super attributes, hyper capacities for better memory. Why would you not want the quick wit of Ken Jennings when you could augment it with the next generation of the Watson machine? Why not live longer? These will honestly be irresistible possibilities. 
And then when we are at the position where we can pass it on to the next generation and we can adopt the attributes we want, we will basically have converted the old style evolution into new evolution. So basically, we'll be taking a process that normally might require time frame of 100,000 years and we'll be compressing it into 100 years. These are choices that your grandchildren or maybe their grandchildren are going to be having to choose before them. Are we going to be using these choices to make a society that is better, more successful? Or are we selectively choosing attributes that we want for some of us and not for others? Will we make a society that is more boring, more uniform, or is it going to be more robust and versatile? These are the kinds of questions that we will have to face with this possibility of neo-evolution. And most profoundly of all, will we ever be able to develop the level of wisdom and to inherit the wisdom that we will need to make these choices wisely? For better or for worse, and sooner than you may think, these choices are definitely going to be up to us. As I leave you off with that final question, I am going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of the Coop Scoop channel, and I will see you next episode.